Hi, this is a look behind and rewind, and I'm your host, Tom Nielsen. Are you afraid of things that go bump in the night? Well, if you were a kid growing up in northern New Jersey in the 1950s and 60s, you had plenty of opportunities to be scared out of your gourd, especially if you're watching a local TV personality called Zachary. This ghoulish-looking star hosted a late-night show on several different stations in the New York area. His specialty was horror movies, and he had a regular cast of characters that appeared with him to help make the show even more frightful. Well, Zachary wasn't the only one doing this. Across the country, there are numerous other personalities who took a similar approach to telecasting bad B-movies. And one of those happened to be in Syracuse, New York where Monster Movie Matinee was the big cult favorite there. It was hosted by Alan Miller, who actually had a day job as a local TV weatherman while serving as the program manager for WSYR Radio. I got a chance to interview him back in January 1972 while working as a freelance writer for a local newspaper. And so here are a few of the questions and answers from that session. Over the years, your monster mansion that you show on TV has grown quite a bit. If you were going to give us a guided tour of the various sets, what would you highlight? Uh, over the course of eight years, these have evolved. There's the library, the bodyless head illusion, the room in which the bodyless head illusion is, which has a life support system uh, for the bodyless head. Um, there's the, um, the library, there's the portrait gallery, which leads to the hallway, which leads to the library. There is the barred room in the interior. There's the secret panel. Um, there's the chemical laboratory. There's the electronics laboratory. There's the time machine. There's the uh, underground conservatory in which we grow our particular brand of mushrooms and plants and so on and so forth. Foxglove, night blooming mandrake, and uh, uh, belladonna, and all of the other <laughs> deadly diseases. What about the radio receiver? I hear that it's kind of stuck on one channel. We have a radio in Monster Mansion. We haven't used it for a long time now. But we have a radio, but all it gets is 1920. It doesn't, uh, you can't get any stations. Monster Mansion is a place, it exists, you can get to it, but it's a world all by itself. We, uh, it's full of anachronisms. Tell me about the approach you take to writing the skits for the show. How would you describe your style of humor? I think that I, it's safe to say on the basis of eight years on the air that, uh, and the popularity of the figure himself, themselves, the figures themselves, that most of the jokes are, uh, they're solid, but they're, they're there. Uh, we, we try for play on words whenever possible. Uh, our dialogue is written old radio style. Almost every time we address each other, we say, of course he foul. Uh, it's it's uh, like Batman almost, uh, although we were doing it long before Batman was. What were some of the firsts, the big accomplishments of Monster Movie Matinee? We did a successful heart transplant three months before Dr. Bernard did, Barnard did. We had a professor at the university call us after a series we did on cryogenics to compliment us on our a presentation of, uh, of cryogenics. Uh, we froze Epon, and um, the uh, the successful heart transplant was a, a film that we had that uh, showed 
the heart being removed surgically from a dog and still being beating and kept alive outside the dog. But the film itself, the, the section that we used, which involved wearing the surgery was involved and so on, uh, did not show there was a dog. There was a sheet and the opening and the surgeon's hands from all directions. And we put it back in. Of course, all we did was reverse the film. But by reversing the film, we got a totally different aspect. I mean, the, the, the whole view of what you had seen changed. I mean, it wasn't just a case of just reversing it. It, it actually changed the whole approach in addition to actually putting the heart back in. But when we took it out, what we did was use the film, and then we came live to a beating heart on the table, a cow's heart that was actually pulsing. But yet, even with those achievements, isn't it true that your character, Dr. Witty, is something of a bungler who almost never succeeds in his scientific experiments? The whole thing is, the whole basis of the show is humor. The two factors that are always there are one, failure. Dr. Willie never succeeds. He never succeeds. Even in success, there is failure. We one time operated on Epal uh, for, he had a grotesque nose. He, he first of all, is grotesque in himself. Uh, it takes him about 40 minutes to put his makeup on. And he is grotesque to start with. But at that time, he was even more grotesque. His nose especially was an abomination. And so we elected to remove it surgically. And it was two or three weeks to find a proper replacement because we had to go through some procedure to evolve it, a tissue which would have uh, enough of the elements of living tissue so that a graft could take place. In essence, over a period of time, anybody that has followed the show over a period of time is aware of the fact that E. Paul is simply a man of parts great many parts from a great many sources, usually from dead bodies. So anyway, we operated, we removed the nose, we put on the new nose. Operation, absolute success. Epal had a nose that was absolutely classic, absolutely classic. Unfortunately, my scalpel slipped at one point and he lost his left eye. Uh, this, is the, this is the type of thing. Uh, the failures are very often tiny, they are very often um, uh, nothing, in other words, uh, to fail in many cases simply means that nothing happens. But this is the built-in, uh, the built-in thing. The point of that being that there has never been a successful monster that did not have an element of sympathy. Uh, no monster has survived in popular popularity. That is, has survived with the, in terms of popularity with the public unless there has been an element of sympathy. Finally, one of the things you're really famous for is the incredibly long, spine-tingling monster laugh that you often do as part of the show. Could you demonstrate that for us now? We always, we close the opening. In other words, we go into the movie and we close the whole thing with the laugh. Epal and I both together uh, laugh, but he has a very emphysema, asthmatic type uh, laugh. And uh, we lead into, for instance, leading into the, um, into the film. Oh, of course he found. I'm afraid it had slipped my mind in the problems of the moment. But I'm sure that our dear guest would much prefer to be entertained, as you say. If you'll make yourself comfortable, dear guest, I think you'll like this little narrative of the unknown. Ha, 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 ha,
There are plenty more questions, of course, and Alan Miller loved to talk. For today's podcast, we only had enough time to cover a few of the subjects of our conversation. But I could wrap this up by saying that aside from the deep bass voice, Malaire was nothing at all like his on-screen, ghoulish monster movie host. In person, he was a very warm, friendly, thoughtful, and highly intelligent man who had been in Syracuse radio and television for over 30 years, both in front of the camera or the microphone, as well as behind the scenes. For him, monster movie matinee was a labor of love, one which he thoroughly enjoyed doing, especially because of the creativity involved. Coming up with scary plot lines and jokes for the series over the span of 16 years was no easy job. Alan Miller passed away in April 2012, leaving the world with one less monster movie host. But in the big scheme of things, giving us plenty of memories to cherish for the years to come. I'm Tom Nielsen, and you've been listening to A Look Behind and Rewind. See you next time.